And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. <clears throat> All right, let's try this. This is the voiceover for a comedian movie trailer. Take one. In a world where laughter was king. Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of movie. Oh? Okay. In a land that... No in a land either. In a time... No, I don't think so. In a land before time. It's about a comedian, Jack. One man. No. When your life is no longer your own. What, what does that mean? When everything you know is wrong. That's wrong. In an outpost. No. On the edge of space. It's no space. A girl. No. Two girls. No. Now. No. More than ever. Stop it. A renegade cop. Oh, I hate you. A robot renegade cop. You're fired. You're fired. No, you're actually fired. I'm fired. Get out of the booth, Jack. No, I like it in here. Bonus Material Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Episode 184, and this is an episode we wanted to do for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. It's in, and uh, uh, the guest today is not just a guest, it's a friend. and um, But he works in an, uh, uh, an aspect of the industry that we, I, don't, I don't think people talk about it enough. Every, you know, I think everyone talks about it, but no one has any answers. Any, right. And, <laughs> and that's, that's why our guest is here. Uh, what, we're, what we're talking about is... I'm using air quotes here. The trailer film, the the the, the films that are played before the movie that get you excited for something that's coming up. And that's an important point. Trailers aren't just a commercial for the movie. Mm-hmm. Trailers are little mini films in themselves. Agreed. Uh, w- which we'll talk about. Uh, today, our guest is Gato Setin. Gato. Um, uh, has been a uh, uh, has cut trailers for Lionsgate films. Uh, Gatto, are you doing freelance now, or are you working for, with a company? Oh no, I'm still I'm still with Lionsgate. I've been uh, and by the way, thanks for that wonderful introduction. How are you guys? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been so basically I've been at Lionsgate or in the building where Lionsgate is since 2003. Wow, uh, when it was Artisan Entertainment. Yeah. And then uh, they got bought out by Lionsgate in 2004, and um, and starting in 2004, the job well, basically they emptied out the entire floor of people that I worked with, and uh, I, me and my producer were the only people left, and we're like, well, are we fired or not, or do we stay? So we just stayed, and then Lionsgate came in and we hung out there, you know. It's so, like Vietnam, uh, right? It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting. I mean, you know, I remember meeting, you know, John Feltheimer. He was really nice and came in, just asked me, you know, they keep you busy here? And I'm like, yeah, you know. And he's like, all right, great, you know. And I wasn't called into the room to be let go, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, look, it happens, you know, whenever you have, you know, situations where it's like one company, you know, there's a lot of duplication of people and stuff, you know, and that's what the situation was. The, their editorial basically grew. They had an editor on their side. Um, and him and I have become great friends, and we still work together all these years later. 
Um, yeah, so basically I was a freelance editor at Lionsgate since 2004 all the way through April of 2016. Wow. Uh, I was an independent contractor basically there, and then they basically offered me a job <laughs> all that time as a uh, you know, permanent staff. And um, I stayed, and I, uh, then I got a promotion to a senior editor position, and uh, I'm still there. <laughs> and things have gotten a lot better there, too. Uh, recent, there were some more changes in the way they do certain things, and um, it's just, it's, it, it couldn't be a better place to work. So awesome. I'm really happy with it. So yeah. is, is your background one in in film or in cutting and editing or yeah it's definitely film I was a I went to NYU uh, to be a filmmaker I uh, you know I, I did my undergraduate there uh, I was in like general studies for two years then I transferred over to the film school I mean I always wanted to go into the film school but it was one of those things where it's like you have to have you know certain kind of GPA if you're gonna be allowed to go into the film school directly and I wasn't quite there so I had to do the general studies and, and I did the thing at NYU and it was a little odd for me there because you know the, the, the guy who was running it was a um, it's just it was more artsy you know what mm-hmm. I mean and I, I respect our, the film as an art form as well but you know it was just I, I didn't really quite fit in there I mean mm-hmm. in terms of you know everyone was very you know uh, you know oh you like King Kong that's a bad movie you know but he needs eight and a half now there's a movie you know yeah. it's, it's that kind of thing you know <laughs> up there, we, we call so it like, alright you know it's like huh we, I was going to say we call that up their own ass <laughs> yeah yeah there, there was a lot of that there and you know but you know you, you try to get along and do what you can and um, you know, I got very frustrated there. I remember I had this, you know, plan. They had this class where it's like you can do your like senior, you know, your final film project or something. So I went in there. I went in with a script that I worked on all summer. I had storyboards and everything. You know, I went in to pitch this thing like there's no tomorrow to make sure that I got to make my movie. And they and it was like a sort of Twilight Zone sort of you know thriller situation. And uh, I came in, I pitched it. You know, other people were coming in, just sort of like making it up as they were going along. They didn't, have, they weren't prepared. Or whatever. And, oh, that's that's brilliant. So that's great. Oh, that's great. We'll do that movie. All right, we'll do. You know, and they're not even. There's no script. You know. Mm-hmm. So here I am, I'm all prepared and everything. And then the guy, I remember this professor. Oh God, what a jerk! And like he, he was like, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, it's a real impressive package there you have, but you know uh, this is just sort of melodrama, <laughs> and we don't want to do that kind of thing. Wow. You know? uh. So, so I basically, you know, and I'm sure some people from NYU might even remember this day because I just got up and I said, "Fuck you! You can all stay in your little little bubble here, and I'm just getting out of here." And, and I just walked out of the room, Attaboy. and I ended up taking. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then I ended up going into an, I mean, a little immature back then, but, you know, hey, uh, I, it really did bother me, and I, I ended up, um, I had some classes previously in animation with this wonderful professor named John Canemaker, um, and he's written many books on animation, and I ended up taking an animation class there instead, where I kind of did this clay animation, so I got to make my own movie. It wasn't what I originally planned to make, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, but at least, I got to do some kind of final project out of the school. And actually, that film did very well for me. Uh, this is back when you know, Showtime and the movie channel used to buy short movies and stuff, and uh, they uh, picked mine up, and it would run all the time on Showtime for a nice. while. So awesome. that was kind of neat. Yeah. That's awesome. So, was, you know, I'm interested, because I'm such a stop-motion fan, was that 
a thing for you prior to that? Or or, or did you like, look, the, this is how I'm going to get my thing made, and I make it. The animation? Because, because I know yeah. that you're a big stop-motion fan, and I don't know if that was always the case or not. Oh, yeah. I was always big into stop-motion. I used to make, you know, I was a huge Ray Harryhausen fan. And, you know, look, it, it, in a nutshell, like my beginnings of my career <laughs> you know when you're nine years old and you say you decide you want to do certain things it's like i was just fascinated with dinosaurs i wanted to be like a you know a paleontologist and you know dig up dinosaur bones because i love dinosaurs so much and then i would watch all the movies with dinosaurs and then when you're seeing movies with dinosaurs you're like oh wait a minute maybe i can do those effects and make those dinosaurs come to life that seems cool you know yeah so i got into doing that and then i would work my grandfather had an old Brownie Super 8 film camera. It didn't have single-frame capability, but I would try and do animation with it. I just pushing mm. the button, it would like fire off three frames or six frames <laughs> or seven frames, you know. But I'd still, I'd do my own little stop mode, my little Medusa or a little thing, you know, like Clash of the Titans, whatever, you know. I'd try my own things like that. And uh, I remember my dad was really impressed with what I was trying to do. So then he got me for my birthday a stop motion, a Super 8 camera that had stop motion capability. Yeah. So yeah, I was able Dad. to really start doing more, yeah, do more animation and stuff. And then I made much more ambitious films. I even had like a little for a Super 8 millimeter, like a splicer, you know, with the tape and you could roll it through left to right. Yeah. So I was really making these ambitious little movies like where me and my friends are like traveling in a submarine to a mysterious island with dinosaurs and monsters on it and all this crazy stuff. I mean, basically anything you grew up with on the 4 o'clock movie, you know, back at that age, you know, I was doing that kind of stuff, you know. I was huge into Godzilla movies and, you know, all that. And uh, so, you know, yeah, you know I always why? wanted to do escapism, you know. You know why? Because yeah. you're cool, Gatto. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm curious about is is I'm guessing... Like I, I, I'm always interested in talking to people who have gone to school, right? And whether or mm -hmm. not it was worth it. I'm assuming from the "fuck you, stay in your little world" thing, it you didn't feel that way that it was worth it. But I mean, um, school as opposed to just the being on a movie set and and doing the yeah. work, the grunt work of, of where where did you learn more? Well, well, you, you know, you're onto something here, and this is actually a good transition here because like. For, I sometimes wonder what would have happened with my career if I, right after NYU, moved out to L.A. and just gone to work at, like, a Roger Corman company or something. Because, you know, I know I could have thrived in that environment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it, was a big, it was hard getting anyone to, like, respond to letters or anything that you were trying to do. Uh, so I remember one of the first people I talked to in L.A. was... Uh, uh, Tommy McLaughlin, the guy who did Friday the 13th Part 6. I remember I reminded him of this once. I don't even think he remembered, but there was a... I don't remember. Some guy named Joseph T. Garrity, who was a production designer that some friend of mine knew who worked on Jason Lives, you know, and he he gave me... He told, asked him if it was okay for me to call him. I called him, and he just gave me some advice and stuff. And you know, I really thought I'd just move out there and start getting stuff, but, you know, I was trying to find an opening, and nothing was happening. So um, what I ended up doing is I, uh, my, my dad, who's amazing, you know, he was like, you know, look, why don't, why don't you apply for grad school? Because I always wanted to go to USC. I felt like maybe USC would be more respectful of just sort of entertainment movies than NYU, you know? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he's like, well, if you, if you 
you know, want to go to grad, if you apply to grad school, we'll support you out there. We'll help you out with that, you know, wow. versus me just getting up and moving, you know, sure. like, okay, you know, so I, so I, you know, I applied to USC and sure enough, I got in, you know, and, uh, part of the reason I got in, I think was also not just my NYU pass, but it was the fact that I had such a huge volume of work I'd done in public access television. Mm. Um, I kind of skipped over this, but where a lot of my editing came into play, I used to, um, after the stop motion films and things I used to do, I would edit, um, I created my own series. It was like a Twilight Zone show called Valley of the Shadows. And it would run on public access TV. And this is before YouTube. This is before public access even, I mean, back then, public access, all it was was football games and, you know, high school graduations and local town community meetings. Yeah. You know, it, they College were dealing with cable companies. Right. Yeah. But they, they didn't even have really that. I mean, it, there was no entertainment shows on it. I was like one of the first people to actually do that, you know, and it was, it was crazy. We did, you know, we started doing these, you know, we wrote scripts, we got actors and we would shoot all around the town and everything. And, um, and it was great. We, I did over like, you know, 120 different kinds of shows and I would always edit them on three quarter inch, three quarter inch to three quarter inch, uh, video. So I really had a knack for editing back mm -hmm. then. Um, and, and just, I'll lay the seeds for the trailers here. Also, uh, back then, if you remember VHS tapes, used to have trailers at the beginning of them. Yeah. And I would collect movie trailers. Oh, I yeah. would, like, hook them up to one VHS to another. I had, like, 14 VHS tapes just loaded with movie trailers, and I'd watch them over and over again. I was obsessed with movie trailers. Mm -hmm. um, so... So anyway, so I'm sorry, I'm going a little all over. But well, I was going to say that I came out to. Uh, I was going to say I remember yeah. that they. I mean, you know, things like Mad Ron's collections would come out. Right. Mad Ron's trailers from hell. Yeah, I had that. yeah, yeah, yeah Night yeah. of the Bloody Apes. You know, and <laughs> well, we're going to get to that. <laughs> I drink your blood. I know. We're and gonna, I eat your skin. We're, we're going to get to that. We'll in make a second. your blood curdle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you will ask yourself, what acts of horror will this electric knife be used for? No, no, no. <laughs> what horrors since, will oh, be performed oh, oh, with oh, this axe? Well, since hose. we're here, <laughs> I, have, I read an interview with you that you said, I can name three great trashy trailers, Night of the Bloody Apes, I Drink Your Blood, and a personal favorite, Three on a Meat Hook. Three on a Meat Hook. Yeah. <laughs> That one was great. It's yeah. one of the greatest trailers it is, of all time. It is so badass. I, it's funny. The voice some, is so pretentious. It's yeah, yeah, awesome, yeah. You know? I'll, I'll sometimes, to my wife, like I'll talk to her in that voice, and she's just not amused at all. Like, Shut up. Yeah. Little broken dolls, dolls that, that keep on dancing. dancing. After the music Oh, well, yeah. Three. Three. I'm going to I love the dad. You know what you do around women, folk. Come on. Stab. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, no, I, I watched those things. That was all, you know, a lot of that was an influence of my buddy, and he's passed away. It's so sad. Uh, my friend Dave Krause, um, and he, he actually went to the local community college. Near, there was this one-year period. See, basically, when I left um, high school and started NYU, um, the, the shows that I ran on public access were still running, and this guy, Dave Krause, who was obsessed with horror movies and stuff, saw my stuff, and he was going through the community college, and he's like, hey, can I do more shows for you? I'm like, sure. So we just kept the series going, and he, he started doing episodes, and we became great friends. And then I'd come back during winter, and I'd do more shows, and then summer, I'd do more shows. So we just kept going and going. By the way, super I mean, that stuff is, was, 
Yeah, very influential in me getting into USC. Yeah. I was going to say... USC and... Yeah. Was super shout out to Dad, right? Dad, what a hero. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my yeah. dad's amazing. He, he, yeah. He's been completely, you know... It's like, you know, here's the thing. I mean... <laughs> You know, I, you know, I'm a dad now too, and I, I try to do this myself. It, it's like, I know, I think back on all the things I would talk about with him, and it's like, my God, he probably wasn't interested in any of this, you know, <laughs> but he knew I was interested in it, and he'd listen, and he helped. It, it, but it was always like you'd have to prove yourself in a way. Not, and it's not that he would ever say that. It's just when he'd see me, you know, trying to do the animation with the brownie camera, the eight millimeter one. You know, and seeing, okay, he's trying, but it's not quite working because it doesn't have the capability. Then for my birthday, I got the camera that allowed me that ability. Right. When I started working at the public access station, you know, for, at first I was just doing camera for hockey games and things like that. But then when I started doing my own shows, I'd have to borrow the camera, the video camera from there. And it was always kind of a rigmarole trying to do that. And so the next Christmas or birthday that comes along, I got a video camera, you right. know, and then I could shoot all my own shows with that, you know, I, and it's that kind of encouragement. I hope that I can do too. I mean, where, you know, if you see there's some kind of talent there, nurture it, you know what I mean? And give it an opportunity to grow. Right. Um, I, I, so was I was going to say, I was going to say, I think it's really important though, that he didn't give you those things until he saw you struggling until he saw you is like, Shit, he's working hard, and and this is serious yeah. for him. Uh, rather than yeah. you know, hey dad, I want this. You know, mm -hmm. he sees... no, it never was like that. You yeah, know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was always yeah. You had to kind of show some kind of uh, results, you know. And sure. again, he never had to announce it. It just became you know. I never asked for it. It just yeah. would happen. Right. You know, <laughs> after it. you know, he saw what you were doing. You know, the gentle power of a um, dad. So, yeah. Yeah, no. He, where was that's this? Amazing. Where, 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 where are we talking? Where did you grow up? Oh, Massachusetts. Uh, I, I, uh, I was born in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. We lived in a place called Indian Orchard for a while. Then we moved to uh, Longmeadow, Massachusetts, which and, is like right on the border of Connecticut. And I always and that's ask, where the public access station was. And I always ask about horror, who was your horror host. <laughs> I watched Elvira growing up. Elvira was the one, and then. I mean, uh, I, for a little while, I watched Commander USA in his groovy movies. You yeah. Know. Hey, that uh, guy just really, died. Yeah. Did he just die? He just oh, died uh, not even a month did? ago. Yeah. Oh. I was super bummed. Shows you how you pay attention. Oh, we, talked yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talked about it on the show. Well, I was like an original Vi Elvira kid. I mean, yeah. I remember the first run of those shows. So, you know, and she's great because she was funny, too. She's I mean, you know, yeah, she was sexy, but she was funny. And that that it's funny. I was talking to my buddy Parigi about this the other day. It's like, you know, they tried to, like, find the new Elvira, and it's interesting that they can't seem to find somebody because you need someone who has both those qualities. Mm -hmm. you, you can't just be one thing and not the other, you know? And you, so, have, to, and you have to do something different. Yeah. You can't be another yeah. Elvira or another, you know, you know uh, she's modeled after, you know, Morticia Adams and right. vampira. that ilk, Vampira. Um, but, yeah, you, like, in order for that to work, I think you got to go completely mm -hmm. you still have the same love for the material mm -hmm. but right. uh you, you got to have a different shtick yeah yeah I agree. yep i agree um so much i know you want to get the trailer soon so I'll, I'll just finish this this last <laughs> round of the history <laughs> thing. oh yeah so, please do so you know usc so you so i go to usc right after after the experience of nyu 
And I'm ready. I'm thinking, wow, I'm entering Hollywood now. This is going to be like people who want to be Spielberg and all that kind of thing. Well, you know, I remember it, they, they had an intro with the um, the new dean. They had a new dean of the school who came from a documentary background, and he talked about how he used to. He had gave this big lecture to all of us before. He's like, you know, I, I've been seeing all the movies coming out of USC, and they're all kind of the same. And uh, you know, I saw I went and saw a festival of all the films coming out of NYU, and I'm like, this is really good stuff. So we're we're trying to change the school and make it more like NYU. I'm like, no. So again, a lot of pretension and, you know, all that, all that stuff again, you know, and it was, it was a little challenging at times. I mean, I made some good friends there and stuff and, you know, again, the same kind of resistance to anything that resembled entertainment um, or horror, you know, or sci-fi at, at the time, it's like you know, um, I think things have changed. Huh? Yeah. Said, it's like anti-fun. You can't have fun. Yeah. If you're, you know, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. And I find it ironic that now they're all trying to make Marvel movies. Exactly. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's you know it, it, it it's the way it is. But in the end, it all. You know, it, here's the final thing about editing with this is where they tie in together. When I was coming out of SC, by the last year they just brought in Abbott, so I mm. missed it. You know what I mean? I uh. never learned to edit on a nonlinear editing system while I was there. So by the time I got out of USC, you know, I had one screenplay I wrote with a friend, and we almost sold it, but it didn't happen. No, no, we did. I'm sorry. We did sell it, okay? But the film didn't end up happening, which sure. was a real bummer. Um, and that happens but then a lot. What, uh, yeah. So the career didn't quite take off that way, so I ended up working at a commercial company editing their director's reels on three-quarter-inch tape, just like I used to do in public huh. access. Yeah. And uh, and then from there, I ended up working at an ad agency, and they basically offered me the chance to like set up their whole library. They just had the Mitsubishi account, so this, I'm doing all this stuff that has nothing to do with anything I want to do at this point in my right. career. But you know, I wanted to get married. I wanted to have a life. You know. Sure. So what ended up happening is is they um, they said that they're going to set up a huge AV department. They want me to do it, and they said they're going to get an Avid. So I said, hmm, I'll do all that for you if you get someone to train me on the Avid. Right. And they said, okay, you got a deal. Nice. So I spent, you know, <laughs> months just creating a database, logging inventory six days a week, 12 hours a day, you know, a not very appreciative boss, you know, all these things, all so I could get my hands on an Avid finally, because I knew that was my ticket to something beyond what I was doing. Right. Yeah. And uh, w they ended up bringing a guy, an old friend of mine, John Hoffines from USC. He came in and taught me uh, the Avid, which was terrific. And um, and I started doing what they call Brippomatics and Animatics, which are basically sort of rough drafts of commercials. Mm -hmm. Like the creatives would come in with a concept. For a new commercial, we use old car footage to kind of position it, you know? Yeah. And I was really good at that. And eventually... You know, that place, you know, I, I got about as much as I could out of there. And then an opening happened at a trailer company for an assistant editor. So I thought, okay, finally, you know, I'll get to do some stuff that I want to do. I thought I walked into a dream job. And, uh, boy, that was like the most hellish experience of my life for six months. Because um, uh, the editors w were not kind. The place was not organized. 
it was really bad. I tried to set up the assistant editors, but when things would go wrong, you know, people would be yelled at all the time. There's one particular editor who was like king asshole who would like threaten me and, you know, threaten to punch me and stuff. I mean, it was insane. I mean, I literally went, things got really, you want to know when things got the worst? See, they let me cut sometimes. There was a movie called Crazy Beautiful Disney was putting out oh, yeah. with Kristen Dunst and Jay Hernandez. So there was a, a TV campaign, and we were all you know, working on it. And they said, Gato, why don't you just try cutting a spot? And there was this other editor who was, like, assigned a bunch of spots. So I just did one spot. You know, I, I mean, I'm doing my assistant editor stuff, but I just squeeze it in when I can. Well, Disney liked my spot, you know? <laughs> and that, from that moment on, that other editor was, like, the meanest human being to me. And um, they ended up not going with my spot in the end. Um, apparently my boss one day walked up and said, Hey, you know, bad news, but kind of cool news. I saw your spot on TV. It wasn't quite your spot. They, they went and finished it somewhere else. You know what I mean? But it was basically your creative and good job, you know? Mm. So I ended up getting to do a few creative jobs. I did this behind the scenes thing for ghost world and it got approved on the first cut that I did. Nice. And I thought, okay, great. Now things are finally going to start changing. And they did. They called me up to the office and said, we don't need you anymore now. You finished <laughs> setting up the assistant editing department. <laughs> oh my God, great. I was so happy, though. <laughs> so then I went freelance for a long time after that and just editing wherever I could get my hands on an editing thing. And slowly I was building up a reel. And the best opportunity I got was I saw an ad for this place called Studio City looking for an editor with lots of graphic experience, right? I don't know. I didn't know much about graphics and stuff, but I'm, and I still remember hesitating before sending. Like, God, that sounds intimidating. I don't know if I want to do that, but ah, what the hell? And you're sending three quarter inch videos. Times have changed so much. So I sent that in, and I met with this guy, uh, Stu Weiss, and he was really nice. And he had, basically it was like Labor Day weekend, and he needed someone to work on this spot for this NBC show pilot that was never going to get picked up, but we just had to promote it anyway. Um, and I cut the whole thing together, and they were really impressed, and those three days of work became three months of work. Sweet. And then, and then after some months away, they called me back in, and I worked there. Well, actually, okay, so then after that, sorry, we, we, I know we want to get the trailers. There's so much back history here. So then, <laughs> so then I went in uh, while I was, you know, I, they called me back in to Studio City after a couple months away, and then I got an interview for Artisan Entertainment which was, uh, and they were looking for trailer cutters. Um, and I should have mentioned, I cut two trailers uh, at another friend of mine's place. Tyler Stringer had an editorial company for a brief period of time, and it just didn't feel like friend, a friend of mine. He had a, he had a documentary, and he had this short film, and I did two cool trailers for it. So that's what I sent to Artisan, along with my Ghost World work and things like the Crazy Beautiful Spot. An artisan called me in, and I had a great interview, and I'm like, holy crap, I'm going to get this job. Eight months later, I'm still working at Studio City. You know? mm, right. And then I get a call again by artisan, and they say, hey, can you come back in for an interview? I'm like, okay. Came back in, they offered me a job, and I've been in that building ever since. Nice. Fucking I remember awesome. I did one, my first trailer for them when I was there was for a movie called The Shaft, starring Naomi Watts. Yeah. And it was about a killer <laughs> elevator. And it just came out on Blu-ray now. But uh, when I did that trailer, it was for a guy named Barry Barnholds, uh, who had a deal with Lionsgate. And I remember my boss like called me up one day, and said, "This is for you." And he just played me a message from Barry. It's like, 
oh my god this this trailer's unbelievable <laughs> who did this? this is the most incredible trailer you guys have ever delivered you know that's okay. hilarious. Awesome. So I, I took to editing the trailers very well. Because, I, look, I, when I cut a trailer, I go into it like, I want to make the most exciting thing out of this. I want to make it the movie that I want it to be, never mind what it is, you know? Um, and I, I did a lot of low-budget, you know, horror movies and action movies and sure. movies that were dramas, but they want a position to look like action or, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, I got very good at it. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just curious to get your perspective on, like, the the deliviation between... I, I, I'm going to use the word good and bad trailers. Sure. But I guess uh-huh. I should be using more effective, non-effective trailers, correct? Would you agree? Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I mean, ultimately, uh, a trailer is there to... I... I, I I kind of look at a trailer as the as the occupying the same role that a movie poster used to do. And I know that trailers have always been around, but there used to be a time when you looked at a Drew Struzan poster, for example, and that was the first part of the movie for you, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, whoa, right. mm-hmm. I, I want to see that. And then you know, and 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 then the trailer, you know, is the. It's the it's the it's the taste that the pusher gives you, you know, to make sure mm-hmm. that you're coming back for the rest of the drug. Especially now when there are now teaser trailers for teaser trailers. Right, we're having a trailer yeah. for the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow yeah. we're going to release that's this. That's mildly annoying when they do that. I, I prefer <laughs> to just you know, just hit me with the damn teaser. You know, don't do this. You know, but but a lot of a lot of this is the new age. I mean, you know, it's actually a changing you know, scheme out there, I mean, and how, how things are going to be promoted, and, you know, no one even knows exactly how that's going to manifest itself yet, you know, but it's, it, there's definitely changes happening out there, um, but, you know, to me, a good trailer is just something that is, you know, makes you interested and want to see it, and it should get you excited and thrilled, uh, that's what the best trailers did for me, I mean, the trailers for me were one of the best parts about going to the movies, and I would, they would always get excited about these other projects that were, these other films that were coming up, and uh, I just try to make them as exciting as I humanly can, you know, no matter what it is I'm dealing with. Speaking of which, um, yes, off the top of your head, and, and I realize I'm putting you on the spot, can you name a favorite or one of your favorite trailers of all time? It, it, you know, there's so many good ones. Um, I basically download all those trailers from hdtrailers.net, and I save them, and I watch them over and over again, you yeah. know, constantly, you know, sometimes just trying to get other ideas or something. I love I love how they did all the Resident Evil trailers where they would start as one thing and then transform into mm-hmm. another. Like, oh, it's a commercial for Las Vegas, or oh, it's a commercial for right. you know um, uh, some kind of technology, you know, and then suddenly it's revealed what it is. Uh, those those are cool. I love. Um, I remember though, an influential trailer to me as a kid was the 1985 trailer for Life Force, the the original yeah. trailer yeah. for it, not the not the one that you'd you'd see later. I'm, I'm, there were two of them. There's there's one trailer. And if they finally put it on the new Blu-ray, you know, um, but a lot of people didn't see it for a long time. Where you're just floating in space for a while, and then you see this big eye, and it blinks, and then it's just sort of a pulse right. going mm-hmm. as, um, as as you see quick images, and you're just like, what the fuck is this movie about? So that that really that was uh, that was one of those 
trailers that was very influential to me. And it was a very similar style to Alien, I guess you would yeah. say. You know, yeah. where it's just using sort of the sound design. Alien you know? was a Alien was a cool trailer. Tom, do you have a favorite trailer that you can think of? I have one. Uh, the the one that comes to mm. mind um, the first time I saw the trailer for the banquet. I was like, wow, this is something hmm. else. Yeah. Um, and it had all that Yun Wu Ping stuff in it that was so like otherworldly at the time. This was around the time just after like Crouching Tiger was a thing. Right, right, right. And you know, when you first the first wave of Wu Sha really hit hit America and right. it's a cool it was cool enough to make me go I'll watch that. So one of my one of my favorite trailers you know, and it's it's hard to it's hard to separate the the stuff because like you 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 respond to the subject matter. Oh, it's a dinosaur movie. Oh, it's a kung fu movie. Oh, it's a, you know, but the <laughs> but but like you know, separating it and just looking at the trailer as itself mm -hmm. as its own little separate movie. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorites is the original trailer for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where we didn't oh, see shit. You know, yeah. we just saw yeah. the the road and the horizon. I love that. You know, not much yeah. for an editor to do, but right. Man, that was cool. Well, you know, a lot of people complain about a lot. You know, I, I hear like everyone always seems to say, and they say it all the time. See, this has always been going on. People act like, well, they're giving everything away in trailers today. It's like, no, they always did. <laughs> you know, yeah. go back to like a 1950s science fiction Look movie. Chances are you'll see every explosion and effect shot that the movie oh, had to offer. Before it. that, you know what I mean? I mean, Frankenstein, yeah. the trailer for Bride of Frankenstein shows him up a windmill. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> if you remember the black exploitation so, trailers from the '70s, sometimes these trailers were like seven minutes long. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah. you're like watching a little shot full of lead, and he still ain't dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? There's a trailer for a. Uh, I you can imagine the trailer for a film called Run, Bitch, Run. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. a classic. It's so yeah, like you feel bad. Well, welcome home, brother Charles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Okay, welcome home, brother Charles. Like we need to just do a whole episode on that movie because that's. Nuts. Actually, I don't think the title of the other one was Run, Bitch, Run, but I won't say what the title right, actually exactly. was. Right, exactly. I know exactly what yeah. you're yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just remember the trailer, the, the, the voice, Run, Bitch, Run. And I was just like, this yeah. is 2010, right? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting how trailers, though, today, it's like you, you can see, you know, where trends get developed, you know? Sure. I'm not so big on trendy stuff in trailers. I mean, I think there's a classical approach to these things that will always work. There was a period of time, oh my God, when the Avid was just really getting going. And uh, I remember there, there was a, and I won't, I won't mention the names, but there was one particular trailer company that was actually a favorite of Ridley Scott's, and they, they were like the most excessive at overusing the, the effects in the trailers and really hyper-editing the trailers. Like, mm -hmm. just, it, It's like a million cuts on everything and like, you know, Animax everywhere. and I mean, I learned to do a lot of this stuff, but I really don't like it that much. Yeah. And it, they look crappy. And and you look at these trailers now, like if you ever want to see like a horrible, just horrible trailer, like look up films for like Bad Company, like Chris Rock and Anthony Hopkins in an exciting thriller. I mean, it's like the worst. I mean, it's, it's, it's incomprehensible stuff. Or like, oh my God, the, the Count of Monte Cristo, I remember, was a great movie. 
and it had the worst trailer I've ever seen. I mean, it's like, I remember I was watching with another trailer cutter, and we were looking at it, and just our jaws were dropping. It was like, you have this beautifully, you know, made, you know, historical style, you know, adventure movie, and they're cutting it like the lowest grade music video garbage you've ever seen. And, and it's incomprehensible. And I remember, like, the other editors saying, this is, like, pornography. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's just awful. This I'm, is the worst trail. I, I think I said to him, it was the worst trail I ever saw. Play it for him. And he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you look at those trailers. Through that period of time, they all started to look like that. I remember the company I was at, the awful place. They were trying to emulate that. Like, oh, we're going to be hitting and cutting edge. And well, that's... Like, you know what? No... You know, then The Hobbit comes out, and you just do a straightforward trailer, you know, yeah. you know, the, the Lord of the Rings. I mean, what are you going to do, fuck around with that? Like, I mean, you know, if you can make a movie look great without even adding those kind of effects to it, and the movie isn't good, then you're a real damn cutter, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that other stuff is just horseshit, you know? But, I mean, again, I can do it, and I've done it on some trailers where, you know, where when it was trendy, I had to do it a few times, but, you know... Yeah. Nothing beats just finding the right shots and telling the story and making it all clear and exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, let's let's get into some nuts and let's get into some nuts and bolts and see how the sausage is made. Before you do that, one thing I want to say: one thing, the thing that gets me these days is the the. We'll get to that. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about formulas and and like what is the trending thing. But you've mentioned the ad. How about this sound effect? Wait, here's another one. I oh, use okay. this one a lot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jurassic World Park Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Usually at the end, at the end of the trail, like you know, da 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 da. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I could do, you know, when one of my old producers who I used to we work with, we would like talk in trailer speak. We we would talk like we need a how about a how about a, no? I think we need a there. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's funny. You've been talking about, um, uh, of course, the advent of the Avid and and non-linear editing right. systems. Um, yes. You know, and then after you know after that, we had all these kind of um, um, uh, consumer uh, uh, grade products. Um, oh yeah, Final Cut and stuff. Final and Cut Adobe and, 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 all, and that. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And what I found when I was going to school was that ultimately, uh, because people used to people used to like give you shit. They were prejudiced against certain programs and stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, you work mm-hmm. with you know this program mm-hmm. and. Fortunately, at least to what I saw, um, like when I was doing, I I was editing news, which is like completely different, you know. Um, But uh, fortunately, it it eventually got to where nobody cared. Nobody cared what you were working on. They, they... They, they they cared about the the final product. What comes out the other end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Do you find that Mm -hmm. to be true now, Gato? Yeah, I I really don't care how personally me I, I don't couldn't care how it was made as long as it's good. You know, right, there was right. a line at USC they used to use it's process, not product. And uh, I remember me and my partner Adam were always just like, 
He's like one day, he's like, I don't agree with that. It's product, not process. Yeah. It's like, what you get at the end, you know, who cares how it got there? You yeah, know what I mean? You, you like, could yeah, have a great true, time you know? making a meal, but if it tastes like shit at the end. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, yeah, to me, you know, whatever edit system works for some. I mean, look, Langley, we both know Mike Conway, who's sworn by Adobe, you know, uh, yeah. forever, you Absolutely. know, and it's actually developed into a really great system. I mean, yeah. you know, um, I mean, I'm personally just in love with Avid and I'm going to stick with it. Well, um, I did get into final cut for a while and then they screwed it all up after final cut seven. So well, eventually Avid made themselves available where you just pay a monthly fee and you can have it on your home system. So yeah. that's what I've been doing. What I, what I find is that whatever you look tend I think this tends to be true with most people. Whatever you learned on, like, that yeah. tends to be what you... You know, people give me shit because I use Apple products. And I'm like, right. you, you don't understand. It's not that I care about Apple or anything like that. That's what I learned how to yeah, work I with. don't have to relearn. Yeah, to exactly. This. And so... I'm, right. I'm curious, how, how soon in the marketing plan for a film are you brought in? Like, I'm, I'm actually, sometimes, it depends what project it is, but pretty early in the process. Like, yeah, I remember a long time ago. Yeah, and, and it depends. It's sometimes, like, kind of haphazardly done. Like, for instance, I remember way back, uh, we had a bunch of horror movies at Lionsgate, and there was, like, a changeover, so it was, like, sort of in flux what was going to happen to them. And I remember seeing a movie called Tamara. Tamara. Oh, yeah. And went downstairs oh, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. did a screening, and I got to see it, you know. And uh, I watched it, and I said, boy, I really like this movie. I want to do this trailer when we get the chance. And I made sure they knew about it, and I was already thinking about it. And it was really months and months later when the film came up, and um, I was, you know, committed to working on it. And it's actually one of my better trailers I did during that era. Um, you know, that one came out great. But... Other, other times, like stuff like, okay, like like we have Uncle Drew out right now, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And when that came out in theaters, we're already in the home marketing end, you know, thinking about potentially what we might do with it. Plus, it's interesting when a movie already is going out theatrically and you're the home entertainment, because that's where I work, you, you have the theatrical campaign to kind of evaluate maybe what went right or went wrong and then decide, okay... Maybe we stick with this and just repurpose these ads because they seem to work, or maybe this didn't quite hit it as big as we would have liked, so let's try something different. Um, in fact, I kind of, and I'm actually doing a little presentation today at IndieMeet, um, there was a uh, situation with a movie called The Hurricane Heist which mm -hmm. um, recently, which you know, it was actually a pretty good movie, and it just didn't quite do anything theatrically. It wasn't Lionsgate that handled the theatrical. It's uh, the other distribution company for it. But we handled the home entertainment, and I saw the original trailer, and I was, eh, you know, it just, there was, there was a core of a great idea to it, because they were using Rocky Like a Hurricane in the trailer, but it was kind of incoherent. It was mm -hmm. just so hyperly edited and stuff. So when I went in... Um, I, I basically recut, I basically made a new trailer where it just more clearly stated what the story was and who the characters were and what the stakes were, and then let the mayhem happen. And I changed up the mayhem and everything, too, and added some different sound design and music. And it's just, you know, I, I, I think, it, you know, if you see the trailer, you'll see. It's a really great trailer, and you, everyone who looks at it is like, oh, my God, I want to see this movie now, you know? Mm -hmm. And we did the whole TV campaign based on that, too. So 
you know, sometimes you, sometimes you got to change it up if it didn't quite succeed theatrically, you know? Mm-hmm. How often does it happen that you are cutting a trailer for a movie that you have not seen? Oh, that's never have. I mean, I always watch the movie. You always I mean, see the, you always see you the movie to. before. Yeah. yeah, I would think. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I guess they could. I guess there's some situations where, like, I remember way back there was a movie called The Graveyard. <laughs> now, this is, again, this is like the home video B movie titles, and like we didn't. All we had was a trailer the producers provided that was terrible, and it's like we needed a, a, a new trailer for it right away, and <laughs> I did something really weird with that one. I mean. I was like, well, what if we tried something like this? Because we had this old footage lying around from an aborted attempt at a trailer for The Punisher of these headstones. So I said, why don't we just take those headstones and we'll change the color on them and just sort of do a dolly through it and add a voiceover saying, it is a place that is so scary, you know, something like that, you know? And then uh, and, and we kind of just used that and, and with it, and then, you know, I changed the style of the trailer because before it was like using rock music, like, yeah, rock, yeah, baby, horror movie, woo You know, it's just like, what? You know, so I added the scary sound design and just made it a different trailer. I think that one's up there somewhere. It came out pretty good. But, you know, it's a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious, <laughs> That's ancient history now. I'm curious about policy on non-feature content where you see something in the trailer that you never see in the film. Is that just because of a a last-minute cut made by the director? or It's not last-minute. No, in fact, when I was working as an assistant, we were working on The Mummy Returns, I remember, and the footage we were working with wasn't even finished. I mean, the film was not finished. the, The effects weren't done. The scenes were just going on forever. I mean, you know, as a trailer guy, you see, fortunately for me, I'm home entertainment, which one thing I really like about working with home entertainment, I'm almost always working with a finished movie. Right. Um, but, but if you're doing these huge budget theatrical titles, you know, you're probably working with the film as the footage is coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to need a teaser up soon. So, they're digging through basically an unfinished film. So it's not that. And then, you know, you'll also notice, like, the color in a movie trailer looks different. Like, mm-hmm. if you saw the trailer, like, Expendables 3, and then you saw the movie, it's a completely different look. And mm-hmm. it's, it's because they're cutting the trailer with that early footage that hasn't even been treated yet, and then they're making the trailer and doing color timing. The trailer people are doing their own color timing on it, you know, because... The film isn't done when they're working on it. Well, like a lot of times... You know what I mean? Yeah, like a lot of times... So that's why you might have scenes that are in the in the trailer that aren't in the movie. It's it's not like a an effort to deceive you or, you know, I mean, or like a, a sign of like a problem with the movie. It, it's usually just simply they were working on a trailer pretty early. And, um, you know, the film hadn't been refined enough yet to remove a scene or the director didn't right. choose to remove it yet. Where I notice that the most is music. Um, uh, music for the trailer uh, um, often has nothing to do with the film. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, if you have an, a, an effects-heavy film, a lot of times the effects mm-hmm. aren't done. So, like, for example, mm-hmm. um, Peter Jackson's King Kong. The King Kong mm-hmm. that you saw in the trailer 
if you if you pay attention to the movie, is a completely different animal than what eventually huh. appears in the movie. Huh. Um, the design was completely be, because when you know they had you know they had this deadline. We got to get this trailer out, and that's where right. the animal was at that point. But then later he changed. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, that, that that must have been the trailer, the first one. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was like it, it was it was that trailer that was like it was only like you know I don't know twenty thirty seconds long, and you see Kong facing off against the T Rex. Mm. That's really all you see, huh. and it's a it's a different animal. It's a, like his face is different, his body's different. Um, I'm gonna have to check that out. That's pretty interesting. Absolutely. Well, Gatto's. I I knew we could depend on Gatto to get our King Kong reference in. We we try. <laughs> it always happens. Yeah, and sometimes we don't get there, but we try to get one King Kong reference in per per show. It means well, the, the 1933, drink. the 33 film is my favorite movie of all time. Absolutely, so. well, and you know I structure my trailers just like it. Yes. There's a setup, <laughs> introduce introduction of the problem, and then it's just balls to the wall mayhem until the end. That's the way I do them. You know? Nice. My trailers tend to have that three-act structure. You might be a do slight variation of it, but it, it's what works. It, it's you know, what gets people involved and interested and works for me. You know, when I see a good trailer, that's usually the structure that it has. Again, I, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when I was taught editing, um, one of my best professors at SC, uh, I remember... You know, there's certain rules with editing. Like, you always want the B-side action stronger than the A-side of the action, right? Right. So, that, that's true until it isn't, you know? Because <laughs> sometimes it, sometimes something just feels right and you can get away with it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Or, well, you know, but so it's the same thing, the same thing with when I'm talking about structure. It's like there's certain rules that seem to work really well and I like to work by them, but... Sometimes I step completely outside those boundaries and it works. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of having the gut instinct for it, I think, knowing what feels right, you know. Well, and also having the the background within the rules to have to know that have then have the flexibility to break it's, them. It's like we talk about all the time. In order to in order to break out of the structure, you got to know the structure. Yeah, 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 you can't you can't Yeah. Yeah, you you have to learn how to draw the box before you can live outside the box. Agreed. I want to talk to you about your film automation that you're working on. What you're you are editing it, producing it, directing it, and writing it. <laughs> well, pretty much. I mean, I did have uh, some help in the writing department on it. Um, I never did a script like this before, where literally we decided to make the movie and we didn't have a script yet. You know, um, it's, and now you understand why it sometimes happens in Hollywood that way. It's just I had. This film is built on the broken dreams of 20 years of trying to make a movie. Yeah. Um, and I'm not kidding when I... I mean, there's not even a hint of irony in that. It, it literally is 20 years of relationships and interactions with people and films that, you know, people I met while trying to get a film made, but then it didn't happen. But all of those things came into play in getting this one thing set up. Um Automation's a sci-fi thriller. It's uh, about uh, robots taking over people's jobs, and uh, basically one robot that you know goes a little nuts when he finds out that he's going to be replaced by the second generation of robots that are going to come in. So uh, it, 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 there's a lot of kind of like 
the best pitch I heard, not that anyone would, uh, no one in Hollywood would say this is a good pitch, but it's basically Office Space, Office Space meets Saturn 3. So, uh, <laughs> that's the best way I can describe it. And you guys get the reference. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> I want to be fairer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when we had a great robot, we had a great. I mean, it, the whole film was based on like I had a, a cousin of mine has an insulation company, and uh, my friend Ted, Evil Ted Smith, who has his own website, and he builds props for people. Dude. He had a bunch of props left over from a project we were doing called Space Pirates. A while back, Evil Ted um, is the shit. He also shit. had a robot. Sorry, I said Evil Ted is the shit. I love Evil Ted. Oh, he's awesome! Yeah, Ted and I go back way, way long time. We were we met at a at the Amoeba uh, Music Store. Uh, I overheard him talking about the Gate with his friend, and we we just started talking about ah. you know, the movie The Gate stop motion effects, and we we just started chit chatting from there. And uh, became good friends after he had this amazing movie, and I loved it. And I tried to get Lionsgate to pick it up. They didn't, but Think Films picked it up. And Ted and I spent years trying to get this space movie off the ground, and it didn't happen. But Dude. all those little bits and pieces are part of this new movie, you know. Yeah. And I knew I had an inflation. I knew I had a robot. Um, there's an actress friend of mine, Alyssa Dowling, who I've known for years, and I knew we were going to try and do something together. And uh, she was on board. Uh, and uh, the whole project was built on those three things, and the fact that I had, um, you know, uh, there were other people, like Wolf Knefsky helped with the script, uh, Esther Goodstein, who's one of uh, his producers, uh, was my producer on this, along with a whole bunch of other guys. I mean, Ted's a producer because he brought all the props. Sure. Uh, our old childhood buddy of mine yeah. who does digital effects, Harry Horovitz, he's a producer, and he's applying the digital effects. Alan Copeland, a guy who I work with with music for trailers, he's providing the music, you know, and he's a producer. You know, so it's like, and, and people who wanted to buy that script 20 years ago, a Killer Mind script they tried to do, um, we didn't end up going with them. We went with someone else, but they had a, a, a company, and they produced movies, and they put up the other half of the financing and are also the sales company. So, you know, I've worked with them for years. I've cut trailers freelance for them as well. Wow. So, yeah. uh, I saw the trailers really helped in that regard. I've met so many producers and, you know, you know, people, distributors. So, I'm pretty confident we'll be able to get distribution on this movie. It's all it's um, all networking. Uh, yeah. You know, I just saw yeah. I just saw Alyssa Dowling in William Butler's new movie. The, oh yeah. Uh, the uh, Bear oh. movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. You saw you saw the film, the kids' film. No, I, right. I've seen pieces of it, and it's it's wonderful. Yeah, that he yeah they did a lot of work on that. Yeah, he was showing some scenes for, on his Facebook page. He's been on the show, yep. William. Yep. He's a great guy. William's cool. Yeah, yeah, he, he's really cool. Yeah, they're uh, they're best friends, those two. So yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, um, yeah, well, through through Alyssa, you know, we, you know, there were other, we got all, uh, we got a whole great cast. I mean, Sadie Katz is in the movie, Graham Skipper, uh, Perry Shen. Um, we got uh, 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 Sarah French. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a really, you know, solid cast. I wanted to say, uh, just as far as the show goes, for listeners, if you notice the quality of uh, Gatto's voice has changed, he is on his way 
this is and th and this is why he's a great guy. He's in the middle of uh, a really cool event that's called Indie Meet, and it happens every year, uh, with the exception of last year in Las Vegas. Um, and uh, this is where I met Gatto. Um, our mutual friend Mike Conway, who's a producer of uh, low budget uh, science fiction horror films, um, Exile and War of the Planet. Absolutely. Um, and uh, well, you know, one of the things that that impresses me about Mike is that, yeah, he makes these low budget films. But he gets them distributed. That's yeah. not like he's not selling mm -hmm. freaking DVDs out of the trunk of his car. You know, they. And they, you know what else is, is amazing about him? You know, he, he's managed to, you know, he has a life. You know, I mean, his wife is amazing and she's, you know, been helping him with his movies all this time and acts for him. And they got three kids and a dog and, you know. He has a regular job, and he still makes movies. Yeah, you know? and absolutely. I, I think that's just, that's truly inspirational in a way. I mean, you know, where you know, okay, you may not be making Hollywood blockbusters, but you and they're his movies, and they feel like his style. It's his work, you know. Very cool. And yeah. you know, God bless him. I, I think that's amazing. Yeah, Mike's amazing, and I hope to have him on the show one of these days. Tom and I hope we oh, get down there for one of these. For, yeah, for I'd love to come in. down there. Yeah, it's, that it's a great. good time. It's a good time. Um, I've met a lot of great people there. It's, it's been terrific. And I do a little trailer presentation there, which is what I'm... So here we're talking about trailers, and then I'm going to jump in and talk about more trailers. Nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> so how, how do people find you out there in the world? Is it on... Are you on Twitter and Instagram and all that other stuff? Facebook? I'm on Facebook. That's probably the best way to find me at this point. I, I, I Alyssa Dowling was trying to teach me Instagram, and I think I, you know, I'm very weak at it right now. So I, I really, I, I'm not a, I'm not a great uh, social media king, and I don't even get Twitter. I mean, it just seems like it's a bunch of bots fighting each other all the time. Right, 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 right. Well, let me ask people you. complaining and whining. I try, I try to keep my Facebook happy and positive and fun and not get involved in politics and getting angry at everybody and all that stuff, you know. Right. Let me ask you this before we let you go, because I know you're you're on your way to do your presentation. Um, as far as automation goes, where do we find yeah. noise about that? And That's going to start soon. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, uh, officially, we do have an automation Facebook page. I haven't even, like, officially announced it, but it is there. You know, if you look up automation movie on Facebook, you'll find it. Okay. Um, and there's pictures from behind the scenes and stuff. But I haven't really aggressively promoted it yet because I kind of didn't want to burn anyone out on it yet. I'm sure. kind of slowly getting there right now. Is um, there, is. About two months. Yeah. Is there going to be... Is In about two months, we'll unveil yeah, a poster and a trailer and all that. Nice. nice. Is there going to be any crowdfunding or anything like that that people need to pay attention to? I don't think so. <laughs> I think we're okay yeah, as far as that goes. It's, awesome. Uh, yeah, no crowdfunding on this one. Um, Great. Yeah, you know, there were... Yeah. So, I mean, there, there was... There was some. I was involved in a crowdfunding project before this that didn't work out. Right. Um, you know, so some of those crowdfunders are going to be on this one now. But uh, but you know, no one's being hit up for any more money. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. Excellent. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Gato, yeah. thank you very very thank much. You, man. 
there's a lot more that we need um, to talk to you about as far as trailers go and and formulas and all that stuff. Why we have those <laughs> sounds and all that. Uh, but I know you got to go, so we're gonna, we're going to cut you loose, brother. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed being on the show, and you know, uh, yeah, definitely would love to talk more about trailers. Yeah, we'll do it uh, next time. We can definitely do that. We're all wired into a survival trip now. No more of the speed that fueled the sixties. That was the fatal flaw in Tim Leary's trip. He crashed around America selling consciousness expansion without ever giving a thought to the grim meat-hook realities that were lying in wait for all those people who took him seriously. All those pathetically eager acid freaks who thought they could buy peace and understanding three bucks a hit. But their loss and failure is ours too. What Leary took down with him was the central illusion of a whole lifestyle that he helped create. A generation of permanent cripples, failed seekers, who never understood the essential old mystic fallacy of the acid culture. The desperate assumption that somebody, or at least some force, is tending the light at the end of the tunnel. All right, so, awesome. Good times. Good times. Um, great stuff. Yeah, Goddard was one of those guys that uh, I met at Indie Meet, and then I would wind up running into him uh, at Monster Palooza. Mm-hmm. Because um, he lives in, obviously, he lives in L.A. And uh, I would have not thought about him for like a year because I hadn't seen him, you know. And I'm walking around and it's like, holy shit! <laughs> and then we'd run around and we'd take pictures with like, let's yeah. go check out the Kyoto Brothers. Let's go th- look at this King Kong thing. You know, he... That's he, badass. Yeah, he... he uh, warmed his way into my heart with his <laughs> love of King Kong. Awesome. So, yeah. That's right. He's a good guy. Uh, let's see. Second hour stuff. Ton of stuff going on. How um, many people died, Tom? Uh, a lot. <laughs> We're going to start with Jennifer Wells, adult film actress. Yeah. Back from the golden age of big bush porn. Yeah. Um, she passed. Big bush porn. I call it big bush porn. <laughs> Thing, things Back when things like no one batted an eye about a series of films about mothers fucking their sons. Right. There is right. the tablet. That was a whole yeah, that the was a whole, whole thing. The whole thing. I remember when when the first taboo came out with Kay Parker. Kay Parker. And uh I remember reading reviews and uh how everybody one of the things that the, that the reviewer in particular that I'm thinking of was talking about was like they had not seen a porn film with as many beautiful bodies before. Like that was a big deal. Yeah, and if back you go back and look at that now. Yeah, and you're like, it's even really? more. Yeah, <laughs> it gets sketchy. Yeah. yeah, I had a DVD set from Synapse sent to me once. It was all 42nd Street loops. Yeah, and it was br- it was brutal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah. But anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, Alan Johnson, choreographer for m- a lot of Mel Brooks stuff, the Young Frankenstein, the oh, wow. producers. He choreographed the whole Springtime for Hitler thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, uh, you know, speaking of Hitler, uh, King Kong was his favorite movie. Was it really? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Brett Hoffman, singer for Malevolent Creation. Young guy, in his 40s, I want to say. Wow. Yeah. Um, Tab Hunter. Yeah. I thought Tab Hunter had already died. I thought he had, I, that's, the first thing I thought of whenever I saw that was, this is one of those guys where 
you say their name and somebody goes, he's still alive? Yeah. Yeah, I, I you know. We had to be pretty elderly. Pr- pretty yeah. elderly. Um, we talked about it a week or two ago that they're doing a Tab Hunter Tony right. Perkins movie. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. there's that. Um, Carlo Benetton, co-founder of the Benetton Group. I am Benetton ads, clothing. Oh, the United yeah, Colors of Benetton. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Roger Perry, actor, was in Falcon Crest, Star Trek. He's got one of those faces. Sure. That if you saw him, you would go, uh, oh, that oh. guy. Yeah, yeah. And then the big one for the week for me, a guy, I'm going to fuck his name up, Ji Chun Hua, films like Kids from Shaolin, Fong Sa Yuk 2, and The New Legend of Shaolin. Fong Sa Yuk 2 is a, a, Shit. a, a fucking good movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he did all of that. He, he's like a contemporary of people like Yun Wu Ping. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, yeah, that was a drag. Yeah. You know. Uh, moving on to news. Animated Ultraman coming to Netflix. Um... Uh, it's animated. I thought it was. I thought I had read that it was animated. Maybe it is. The I, picture I, was, I saw was. Animated. I was really excited mm-hmm. um, about the Ultraman thing, but if it's if it's animation, they're having success not with Voltron and that kind of thing. Yeah, so. but I don't. I don't like it. So, <laughs> not <laughs> to be I'm fair, <clears throat> um, the one of the main voices on Voltron is is a guy I used to work with years ago named Neil Kaplan, who I'm trying to get on the show. Neil was one of the voices of Optimus Prime. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah kind of cool. So this is kind of cool. Sasha Baron Cohen came out of nowhere in the news this right. week. Right, he's been doing a. He's got a show on Showtime for like a year now. For he's a been year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's been interviewing people. He's been pranking people. It's very similar to Ali G. Right. Supposedly, he had Dick Cheney sign a waterboard kit. That's, that's correct. And <laughs> um, he got had an interview with Sarah Palin. Who's pissed. Who's really pissed. <laughs> uh, you know, brilliant. That's funny. I, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah, it is. Um... And I and they're, they they released a little minor teaser trailer that's just a lot of close-ups of his face and what have you. Uh-huh. Um, last week we talked about Jeremy Renner joining the cast of Spawn. Right. Um, they revealed that he'll be playing Twitch, one of the cops. Oh, okay. So that's kind of cool. That seems like a Jeremy Renner type role. Yeah. 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 Uh, Warner Brother anna- Warner Brothers announced. Um, Todd Phillips, who did The Hangover, yes, is doing a Joker movie, and they cast Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix, um, really hard to, you know, I could see it going a lot of different. It's not from what I hear. It's not a comedy. Todd Phillips, um, I think, is a good filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is a weird guy, but generally a great actor, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, I think he's. I think when you start talking about people to play the Joker, mm-hmm. he is one of the obvious choices if you take your time and think about who could play the Joker. Mm-hmm. I think he can. Yeah, and as long as I, I'm okay with this, as long as someone's there to keep from happening with this outing as the Joker, what happened in Suicide Squad. But, uh, I think Jared Leto was completely wrong in everything he Jared did. Jared Leto is in, it was a that. horrible choice. I don't, I don't think Jared Leto is a bad actor. I think he's I, a great actor. I think he's a dick, yeah. but but he's a great actor. Um, 
but just all the choices that were made for the Joker. This also I, sounds, from what I was reading, kind of like a noir, like a like a a, a man against the system as it anti-hero. should. Yeah, be. I yeah, think it, it, if you're gonna if look if you're just doing a Joker movie, not a Batman movie, but yeah. a Joker movie, you have to find a way to make him sympathetic, mm-hmm. right? I mean, otherwise, or at least understandable. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I, yeah, agree. yeah. I agree, absolutely. Um, so I'm interested in this. I, I don't know how it'll turn out, but Joaquin Phoenix, everything that he's been doing lately has been great. great. Inherent Vice, this this, yeah. this Hitman movie that just yeah. came out. Fuck, he was great as Johnny Cash and Walk the Line. Yeah, you know? yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, they cast what's his name, Digimon Hanzu, the black actor. He was in a lot. He's in a lot of stuff. I don't think I know him. First, yeah, you do. First, he was first in Amistad. He, he oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He played. He was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. But they they cast him as quote unquote the wizard in sh- this Shazam film that they're doing. No, oh, I, I know nothing about Captain Marvel. They like, just like, released a picture that was like it's Billy, a young actor playing Billy Batson standing next to the guy playing Shazam, right? Drinking some sort of soda. I beer. was just I always just thought of as a kid. I was just thought of. Shazam as Marvel's Superman, kind of, you know. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kind of, he even looked like him, you know. Yeah, and the I, the idea, what, what was interesting about it is, is that he's really a, a child. He can, he changes. It's much like the Japanese uh, big robot Ultraman, and, yeah, and things like that, where it's like, I'm, I'm this kid or I'm this guy, but when shit goes down. I clap my hands together or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck I do, and then now I'm you know 500 right. feet tall. And, yeah, yeah. Z- Zebra Man or Infra whatever. Man. Infra Man. Infra Man was a good dude. There's so many. I know there really is. Um, a bunch of dates changed. So Indiana Jones Five has moved from July 10th, 2020, to July 9th, 2021. Do we know anything about this movie? No. Is Harrison Ford involved? Yes, Harrison Ford supposedly is involved. And is Shia LaBeouf involved? They, no, Shia LaBeouf <laughs> is not. Um, then they moved the Jungle Cruise to October of 2019. What the hell's the Jungle Cruise? They're making a movie based on the Jungle Cruise with The Rock. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, you're you're. What in the in hell is the Jungle Cruise? The Jungle Cruise, the ride at Disneyland. Oh my God! Yeah, where you're literally oh. on a boat going down a river. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, Mal- uh, J- Maleficent Two has moved to May 29th, 2020. Mary Poppins Returns moved to December 19th, okay. 2020. So what the interesting part is. Those are all being made. Maleficent 2 being made with Angelina Jolie. Right. Which, by the way, we were fans of. Yeah, I was a yeah. fan of. Yeah. Uh, Mary Poppins Returns is with um, the girl that was in A Quiet Place. I forget. It's not not Emma Stone. Anyway, that that girl. Okay. Um, and it looks, it looks like it's more of this live action Disney property sure. stuff that they're doing. Neil Blomkamp is directing a direct sequel to the first RoboCop movie. I'm excited about this. Going to be R-rated. Yeah, uh, so that's important because what a lot of people don't remember, don't realize or remember, is that when RoboCop, the mm-hmm. Paul uh, Verhoeven movie, came out, um, it was like. They wanted to give it an X rating. It, did it have an X rating? Yeah. I think it might. And have. And then they cut it back. Yeah, because um, because of the violence in it, mm-hmm. and. The existing, you know, what hap- what we eventually got is a 
fucking violent movie, dude. Yeah. That, that's, and I realized that like they, it, it turned into a franchise, and they made you know the sequels, and there were toys and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and they cha- you know it, it got watered down. Do you remember the RoboCop series? That sure, was actually RoboCop absolutely. Series? Well, I remember that RoboCop Two was written by Frank Miller. Right, exactly. And that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and it's and that's why he didn't want to return to Hollywood for a long fucking time right, because of that whole experience. Yeah, and um, he's a curmudgeon. Yeah, well, and he's also a nut. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, I I like I, I like Frank. Frank is is just. It, Frank needs to be who Frank is so that you get Dark Knight Returns. I think you just have to excuse it in a weird way. Right. He's crazy. He is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, Uh, you want to hear a great real quick Frank Miller story? (laughs) Frank Miller grew up in Burlington, Vermont. Right. My daughter's godfather grew up in Burlington, Vermont. His parents used to get little Frankie Miller down the street to babysit for them. (laughs) And one time, he shot Frank Miller in the ass with an arrow. And I asked him, I asked him in an interview once, I go, so yeah, um, I, blah, 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 he shot you with an arrow, and he goes, that motherfucker! <laughs> Hilarious. That's but, awesome. Uh, Warner Brothers wants to build a $100 million Sky Tram from their Burbank Studios to the Hollywood sign. Oh. $100 million. Okay. I don't know why. I don't either. Other than the locals around the Hollywood sign are really sick of people walking through their land. Dude, to get to for a hundred million dollars, I want that. I want that to go from like Burbank to like fucking Epcot Center in Florida. Yeah. How about we just put the Hyperloop in and right. call it a day? <laughs> yeah. Um, why the Last Man, based on a DC comic? Right. Which just, is a good comic. Yeah. Just cast Diane Lane and Barry Keoghan in it. So that's well on its way to being made. Okay. Uh, this is exciting. Coming to Showtime, Keep Talking, a stand-up special with Henry Rollins. Well, I mean, his he's stand-up been doing slash... This, he's been doing, you know, he's been t- doing these spoken word shows for... Uh, actually, like actually way before, way before he left Black Flag, he's been doing this type of stuff. And it's evolved. Um, in the beginning, it was bits of poetry and shit like that, and then it turned into. And you know, if anybody has seen Henry Rollins in the last fifteen, twenty years, um, he's doing stand up. Mm-hmm. He doesn't call it stand up; it's stand up. He's doing a stand up comedy show, and he doesn't do jokes. He does stories, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're fucking hilarious. Yeah. And, uh, he's a funny guy. He's a as s- weird as that is to say. He is. He is a really funny guy. He yeah. got all of his timing from listening to Bill Cosby records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that kind of gives you an idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's very cool. I'm excited. Uh, I haven't... Because he hasn't done a lot of television stuff here. You know, there was a time where he had his show. He had a show mm-hmm. on IFC. Uh, IFC. Yeah, he had two seasons Great show. of it. Great show. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Amazing interviews. If you get a chance to see any of those... Check them out. A lot of them are on YouTube. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, and in conjunction with that, there were there were a few cable, um, for lack of a better word, stand-up shows sure. that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then that kind of went away for a while. So I'm I'm excited to see this. Yeah, anything that Henry's talking yeah. is a good thing. Fucking Hank is awesome. Uh, Black Widow. It looks like they're going to go ahead and make a. Scarlett Johansson Black Widow movie. Okay. They just landed Kate Shoreland, the director of Lore, as a director. 
Um, in a related note, Scarlett Johansson is dropped out of the film where she was to play someone who was trans because people lost their minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deservedly so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you know, give you know, give people real representation. Yeah, don't just... There's yeah. a there's a show that has come out called um, and I can't remember what network network it's on but it's called Pose. Yeah, we we reviewed that trailer. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a Ryan Murphy thing. And and you know the looks great. The it, it looks great, and the big thing is like all the trans people in that movie mm-hmm. are trans people. You know, it seems like such a simple thing. Right. You know what what is the character? Oh, he's Asian. Well, well let's look at Asians. Well, and, you, know, you know, like we were talking about with Gato, is like you know you try to get a name, right? Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. so you go with Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. Although the, the it's a different world now, the, though. The winner of the foreign film this year was about a trans woman. And um, uh, uh, it won an Academy Award. So, you know, and there are films out there. We should do a whole thing on that. A whole film like, what is it, 24 Centimeters and Hedwig and the Angry Itch. It would be an, right. an Oh, yeah, thing. definitely, yeah. Um, let's see, moving on to other things. Um, Rambo 5 could start shooting as early as this September. Supposedly, it's about John Rambo living on a farm with his brother. A neighbor's daughter disappears, and it turns into some drug cart- Mexican drug cartel thing that Rambo did. Another opportunity for... Rambo to kill minorities. Yeah. <laughs> um, they released the first image from Godzilla, King of Monsters. Holy shit! Like, you know, I'm kind of like, that movie can be shit. Just give me that poster. Yeah. That's fucking cool, It's dude. him looking up into the sky firing, like, atomic breath or yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, it's just like, I can hear it in my head. Yeah. It's like, you know, I kicked all your asses. Yeah, it was, it, it was pretty cool. I'm not a Godzilla fan, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, that was that's that a cool That was very image, cool. Yeah. Um, Dark Horse Comics is adapting, I didn't even know this existed, William Gibson, the Snow Crash guy? Yeah. Neuromancer? Yeah. Did a, a script for Alien 3. Oh. And they're going to make it into a comic. That's cool. I'm in. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Alien 3 is one of those weird properties where there were so many different versions yeah. before it finally got I made. actually like Alien 3. I think, I, I think I, it works in a lot I of think, different ways. I think Alien 3 is really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, now that the Blu-ray has come out and you get to see the director's cut. Mm-hmm. What Fincher... At least closer to what Fincher... You know, by the time that movie was ending, Fincher wouldn't even show up on set. He was yeah. so sick of it all. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was cool to see uh, what was intended. You know, the the only um, beef I have with that movie is that... And it's nobody's fault. It was the early days of... Um, digital compositing, mm-hmm. and so some of those, yeah, some, yeah, of, some those, of the monsters, yeah, some of the monsters are look funky. Yeah. Um, also announced original production crew, original cast, feature film, Downton Abbey. What is the popularity here? Am I missing? I don't know. Have you ever watched the show? Never. Okay, so, so we can't we can't really speak to it, but it was but it's got a rabid following. Yeah, it was huge, and yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. didn't watch it either. Um, but uh sure you feature know. film sure yeah, absolutely I'm in uh, this is the weird one of the week so Adam Driver from Star Wars the Star Wars movie and Bill Murray are starring in a Jim Jarmusch zombie film it uh, sounds like Mad Libs again but it, it sounds like Mad Libs however 
I can see I see Driver. Mm-hmm. I see Bill Murray, especially sure. considering what he's done in the last several years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see Jim Jarmusch. Zombies is what, what yeah. makes it go sideways for me. Having said that, this might be the first zombie Maybe. movie I'm excited for in a long time. Down by Law of the Zombies. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, dude. yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of Bill oh, Murray. fucking Dead Man. Dead Man with oh, zombies. Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Right? Uh, speaking of Bill Murray, um, he was announced with the same cast, same crew, same filmmakers, Zombieland 2. Good. Moving ahead. Good. Fucking, you know, I, as much as I rail against zombie films, mm-hmm. I love Zombieland. Zombieland is Zombie fun. Zombieland is so much fun. Yeah. And I, I really wish that their original idea had had happened. Where Zombieland was actually was being pitched as a TV show, right? And you know, this is before The Walking Dead. I think had Zombieland happened as a TV show, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have we would have never heard of The Walking Dead. Yeah, you or we would look at The Walking Dead in the same way we look at Z Nation. Uh, sure, yeah, exactly. You know, sort of a lesser like, man. Yeah. Yeah, you always want to. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited about that because uh, I, I really like Zombieland and fucking Bill Murray's great. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know that Bill Murray necessarily will be back because he died in the first one. Right. But you never know. Yeah. Those guys, you never know. Moving on to trailer reviews. Dude, he comes back as a zombie. <laughs> right. right. Um, let's see. We'll start with. Wash Westmoreland, the director, he directed a movie we talked about last week, Still Alice, with uh, with John, Julianne Moore with right, Alzheimer's. Right, uh, Alzheimer's. Yeah, so uh, has a film called Colette. Kiera Knightley, the way I described this in my head was, it's a literary big eyes. Well, exactly. I, as I was watching this, I'm like, sadly, we've seen this story before mm-hmm. um, a few times. Um here lately, I've been watching. Um, I've been rewatching Frida a lot. Okay. And uh, it's not quite the same, but it is kind of the same. It, when, where we have this um, female artist being overshadowed by her male um, counterpart. In this case, though, it's more like Big Eyes in that the the um, it's a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, the all the acclaim is going. She's. This guy's wife is ghostwriting for him, mm-hmm. basically. And the shit that she writes is way better and way more popular. And, uh, you know, there's this struggle of, you know, am I supporting my husband or am I um, carving my own career? Being taken advantage of. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, feminist sort of yeah. beginning it, undertones. It looks happening. really good. Um, it does look I, good. Uh, taking place in uh, the 1800s, mm-hmm. maybe seven. No, the 1800s yeah, in, in 18. England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was unfamiliar with the authors. Me too. I, yeah, um, but uh, apparently it's it's a big deal. It's so, a big deal. Yeah. All right. Uh, up next, a movie called A Crooked Somebody about a. a what a great title, by the way. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great. So title. it's about a guy that has gone to prison because during a robbery he kills somebody. Right. Who meets a psychic who isn't a psychic. And because no one is a psychic. Yeah, <laughs> and because he's and he sees this all something happening as an opportunity, and what it does is it links him and this other guy together, and it looks like things go really bad. Yeah. So the 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 um the killer mm-hmm. um I, it, it seems like through this. 
Oh shit! Hold on. I think it's. I think it just picked up again. I think we're okay. No, we aren't. Hold on. The psychic. Uh, yeah, like you said, sees this as an opportunity to advance his career, mm -hmm. and uh, and things just start to go really, really. Yeah. So really it looks badly. like by by talking to the killer, he gets the location of the body, right? And then goes to the police, like, oh, says, I'm a psychic, I'm a psychic and, and here's where this guy. Yeah, exactly. And then I think that pisses the killer off. Absolutely. So it looks great. The guy that's the main actor in it was in Boondock Saints, yes. in a small role, and he's just rock solid. Yeah, it looks riveting. Yeah, I, yeah, this yeah. is this is one I definitely want to see. Um, next up, a film called Don't Leave Home. Described to, by someone I know as a Catholic Irish get out. Yes, where um, a woman is brought to a isolated part of an Irish countryside. She is a sculptress, and she is brought there to create a a, uh, a commission piece, a sculpture, um, with all these caveats. You can't tell anyone where you are, mm -hmm. um, and it seems like screenwriting one on one that this girl is an idiot. Yeah, exactly. For yeah. not going, seeing all the red flags. Yeah. But um, and that said, it looked really well made. It looks well made. It looks, you know, you know, uh, creepy, I think is the word we're going for mm -hmm. here. Uh, and uh, you don't know exactly what's going on from the trailer, as it should be. Um, but you definitely know that, like, things are not right at this place, and, and these people are not to on. be trusted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Had kind of a Wicker Man feel to it. It does. Well. It does totally. It doesn't have a supernatural feel. It feels like the people there are doing, mm -hmm. you know, something. Yeah. Yeah. So next up, a uh, Netflix film called Extinction. Michael Pena is an alien invention, uh, alien invasion. Did this thing remind you of Skyline? Dude, it reminds me of like a million things that have been done in the last several years, and I'm not excited about it. It's it's basically a guy is having dreams mm -hmm. um, about oh, precognitive dreams. Yeah, this horrible shit that's going to happen. Everybody thinks he's crazy, and then this alien invasion starts, mm -hmm. and the answer to what to do or how to get away or what's going to happen is lies in this guy's dreams. And so now we have to trust the tra the crazy guy, yeah. his family included, who thought he was nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, dude, I just I I have no desire to see more um, people running around in a city with shit, shit coming calling. coming out of the sky yeah, and yeah, yeah. lights and it's well, just is it just me or or are we getting a lot of that stuff lately? We're getting a lot of it. A lot yeah. of end of the world yeah. shit, and it. it Kind of bums me out. Well, it you know what it reminds me of. I mean, like looking at our current political climate, it reminds me of the eighties mm -hmm. when we had a similar political climate, mm -hmm. and we were all I, you know I was thoroughly convinced that you know I was going to die before I was thirty in a nuclear war. You know, yeah. And and as reflected in every fucking song from the time <laughs> and movies and stuff. So sure. You know, I, I I have a better outlook, I guess, because like it didn't happen before. I'm hoping it's not going to happen this time. But yeah, when when people are being, um, for lack of a better word, oppressed, mm -hmm. you're going to get this stuff. Sure. And uh, it, this one just doesn't look good to me. Okay, fair enough. Uh, up next, the favorite. Weird royal comedy with a mad queen. It doesn't make sense. 
until you realize Yorgos Lanthimos, who directed The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer, directed yeah. this. Yeah. Now it makes perfect now sense. Now it makes sense. And it looks great. It looks great. I, I, I am I'm excited. It reminded this. me in a weird way. Do you ever see The Ruling Class? Yeah. With Peter O'Toole? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it reminded yeah. me of that. Absolutely. Um, and, and I couldn't tell from the trailer. I, granted, I only watched it once. Is it a French queen? No, no, it's, it's an English queen. The woman in it who plays the queen, yes, is part of the cast of Mitchell and Webb. Okay, and, or or Peep, Peep Show. They had a show on, yeah. on BBC called Peep Show. Um, Rachel Weiss is in it. Yes, as, as a seemingly a gun crazed Victorian yeah, there's lady. There's so much crazy shit going on in this, and, and like if you're. I, uh, if you are a Monty Python fan, yes. this is right up your alley. Yes, I, I, yes. I would say a smarter Marty, Monty Python. Agreed. It looks great, it and, looks, I, and I'm in. It looks hilarious. Next up, Galveston. Um, ben Foster, Elf Fanning. I'm going to call it a Southern crime noir. Yeah, um, I saw in the credits that somebody involved with it has something to do with um, True Detective. Yes. And it kind of feels <laughs> like that. Um, it's. Uh, I'm not... I'm not 100% sure what's going on. I have no idea what's going um, on. But it, it looks very gritty, southern... Kind of reminded me, like, the idea that Ben Foster and Elle Fanning are on the run or something. Yeah, and it someone's seems chasing like it. them. There was some gunplay going on. Right. But it lo- the look of the film was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. It's very dark. Yeah. Uh, up next... Another Netflix, I think it's a series. It's called Ghoul. Um, think of it as an ha- a haunted prison in India film. Really weird series. because it's a good trailer, and and this would be a good trailer to talk to Gatto about mm. because what it does is it seems like it's setting up something completely different. Mm-hmm. It, it's a a, a a a female soldier. Um, is doing an exemplary job, and her father, as it turns out, is a terrorist or something. Some sort of seditionist. Or yeah, and so they, they're relying on her to help bring him she in. She flat out says she'll hand him over. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it seems like a kind of a, a modern war military intrigue mm-hmm. type thing, but yeah. in the last, what, five seconds of the trailer? It goes bananas. There, there, there. There's somebody that's obviously like in a cell or something. And, He's another uh, person being interrogated. And interrogated. He's like that omniscient sort of character yes. that knows everything that's going on. And he turns around and his fucking head expands two feet and he's like, Wah! yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're like, what the fuck? Was what happened that? here? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mostly, I'm interested in this because I we've talked about it before, but any chance I get to see genre pass through the lens of a different culture like sure. this, I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. In. And it looks yeah. competently made. It looks cool. Uh, next up, Olivia Wilde, Jason Isaacs, in a quirky love story from Amazon called Life Itself. It's important to know that the guy who directed this wrote This Is Us, the TV series This Is Us, uh-huh. Tangled, uh-huh. and... It looks very quirky, but it looks, it feels like somebody's gonna, one of these people are gonna die. The modern, it, I, it, kind uh, of love story. Modern love story. It reminded me of how um, Love Actually has like all these different things going on, yeah. these different storylines, and they somehow tie together. 
Um, it feels like that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the and there, there aren't clear bad guys and good guys from it. No, it's I like think it's just to their relationship yeah. and, and what happens you, over time. If you dig that type of thing, this is definitely a movie you need to check out. Yeah. I mean, all the acting looks great. Yeah. And most of the dialogue that he says, I'm willing to bet, not written by a man. Yeah, <laughs> probably. I was going to say. Probably, yeah. Because he talks about how I, I don't want to ask you out because when I ask you out, I know I'm... And it's like, man, yeah. I don't know guys that... But, don't then, but then, you know, later, you know, and then, like, I- even in the trailer, he's saying that to that one girl, but then he's saying similar shit to another girl. <laughs> and so it's like, is he going to be the bad guy? Maybe. It, you know, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Up next, Mary Queen of Scots, Margot Roby and... So, what's her name? Something Ronan. Soy Sri, Sri, or Ronan. One of those weird Celtic know. names. Yeah, she's got a Celtic it looks name. Like she was in The Village. and No, she wasn't. She was in... It looks like Saturday, but it's pronounced Bob. Yeah. <laughs> um, this looks great. It looks like Oscar yeah. content. Yeah, this is cool. Um, it's about the relationship between Mary, Queen of Scots, mm-hmm. and her sister or cousin. Half sister. Uh, um, who was the Queen of England. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, how it eventually goes sour. Yeah, and it doesn't end well it, for one of them. No, it doesn't. I no. think we know who that is. <laughs> That's right. But it looks great. It's very much a costume drama. Yeah. It's very intense. Margot Robbie looks great She looks in fantastic, it. yeah. Um, and, and continues at every step for me to to go against my initial thought of her when I first saw her act in Wolf of Wall Street. I'm like, well, this chick is clearly forgettable. Right. And just... Film after film. She's yep. just knocking out of the park. Yep. And then finally, um, this is called Soul Station. It's a prequel to Train to Busan. Yeah. And it's, it's a, animated. It's, it's a Korean um, uh, animated film. Uh, and uh, a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people realize this, everybody always thinks of Japan as the big you know, animation uh, place, but... Most of the TV shows that you see that are animated, The Simpsons, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that, are animated in Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a long history and a tradition there. Um, if you are an anime person, um, this is looks like it's right up your alley. Um, I personally don't care because I, I wasn't as impressed with Train to Busan as, as a lot of people okay. were. I mean, it was like, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a zombie movie, mm-hmm. you know, and... and and frankly, I'm tired of them. Um, but uh, this, at least, is a little different. It does. It tells the story prior to the events that you see in Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it looks... For me, this one is, meh, oh, okay. You know, it looks like a lot of other stuff I've seen. Okay, fair enough. I, I thought the animation was, was decent. It isn't anything... It doesn't compare to things like Steam Boy or right. or any of that really amazing stuff. But um, I think it's if, not you like, if you like, yeah, if you like Trains Busan, then yeah, this is something absolutely you should sure check out. you should definitely see. Moving on to what we've been watching. What have you been watching? Um, I've been watching a lot. I've been watching rewatching Frida a lot. Right. Um, the 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 biopic of Frida Kahlo uh-huh. with uh, Sama Hayek and Alfred Molina. Um, I had forgotten how badass of a movie this is. It was directed by Julie Taymor. Uh-huh. Um, I think I, who I think also did um, 
all across the universe or across the universe or across the yeah. universe um both both of those movies I love and and uh I I just happened to catch pieces of it and I was like holy shit I forgot how how great this movie is mm-hmm. it's a fantastic film um it, it both visually acting wise it's it's great uh, I've been watching that and uh I also uh you know, I say I've been watching it like it's a series. No, I just watch the same movie over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, a certain and you come in and out on different yeah. parts. Sure, and sure, there sure. was something else I was going to bring up, and I can't remember what it is now. But but primarily, um, my mind has been occupied by Frida. Nice. It's a, such a good movie. Um, and there's, there's, just like with Across the Universe, there are these cool, weird, artistic um, pieces within the movie um, where an After Effects guy like me is just like, oh! <laughs> and, and it's very cool, because they do this whole King Kong thing, right? Where Alfred Molina is King Kong climbing up the side of the building, uh, taking over New York, because he's, he's painting the, the mural at the Rockefeller Center, right? Yeah. And it's all like interpretive, and it, it's, it's beautiful. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's amazing. If you, if you did see it, but it's been a while, rewatch it, it because it's, it's fucking great. Awesome. Uh, let's see. Jim Jeffries has a new special out called This Is Me Now. Uh-huh. It's okay. It's not what the last ones were. Saw the Black Coat's Daughter. Yeah. I um, I, it's a, I didn't know it was es- essentially a time movie, a time travel-y movie. Not oh. time travel but it's too... It's easy to believe that there are three characters, but the reality is, spoiler, there are two. And you're seeing two moments in the person's life. Gotcha. Ten years apart. Uh-huh. Um, it was okay. It was directed by the guy who did um, Oz Perkins, Tony Perkins' son, who did I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. Right. And this feels very much like early that um, lots of static shots, lots of very slow pacing. Uh, let's see. Also saw Batman Ninja. Um, right. This anime Batman. Which I thing. remember when the trailer came out, you were like, <gasps> "The movie is it. It looks cool as hell." Yeah. It's it's absolutely stupid, <laughs> but it looks cool as hell. Well, I mean, it's you know. Batman Ninja. I mean, well, it's even worse than that. It's 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 Batman going back in time and right. having to rethink his whole thing. And um, it's it, Batman it, in feudal Japan. In feudal right? Japan, and worse, they set up as these five feudal states. There's like the Penguins area, oh my God. the Riddlers area. Really? Yeah, and, uh. and it gets really fucking stupid. <laughs> but if you're gonna put something on with a sound down. Mm-hmm. It's the shit. Mm-hmm. And then, because of, again, movie pass, we went and saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, what'd you think? Could not have cared less about what was happening. Uh-huh. Movie completely changes make and model halfway through. Okay. Dinosaurs are fucking cool. The dinosaurs they are, are cool. really cool. Does it deliver on that promise of the trailer where this is a horror film? No. No. In fact, it becomes... It's... A lot of it doesn't make a lot of sense. Where, like, they, they, they're they they're quick to get off the island. And once they're off the island, they're at this private estate, I think in California, where they're doing this giant auction. 
and at the end of the by the end of the movie they've released dinosaurs into the world there's a there's a big giant one remember the one in um the first one that came out and swallowed that person yeah the mosasaur yeah that's out in the ocean now <laughs> and pterodactyls are flying and blue the raptor yeah. is just he takes off at the end of the movie like blue, later but blue has her own like you know cable access show yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's you realize that this is this is a completely different animal. It's by a the time setup. It's, yeah, it feels like a setup film. Very it's much like, a transition film. Yeah, off the island into yeah. something else. And I could, you know what? Knowing Hollywood, they'll fuck it up. But could mm-hmm. you imagine, like, let's let's make individual films now. Yeah, some small family in Montana. And Imagine Cujo with raptors, a fucking a small gap, family, and there's a dinosaur. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with the island or the doctors or any of that shit. Now we're just now it's a fucking dinosaur. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could see this going great places. It might go great places, but I doubt if it. I will. doubt it will yeah. either. It'll become BB Wong as a mean right whatever dude. Yeah. He doesn't get killed in it. No, uh, in, God I don't damn it. think he does. Yeah, anyway, they set him up as a super bad guy for no good reason. Well, he was a bad guy in the last yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, a bad guy in the mad scientist mm-hmm. formula of a bad guy, which is he thinks he's doing good, but right. he's right, you know. Right. Um, I, I wanted to, I, I, I remembered the other thing yes. I've been watching, and that's, um, I've been going back and watching V-Doc. Um, V-Doc is a French movie. It's directed by... Caro, C A R O. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. The the visual effects guy that works with um oh god I'm, I I can I can never remember names when I need to. The guy that directed um Amelie. And, oh, Juno. Juno. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, very cool. This uh, this is an amazing movie. It's a it's kind of like a steampunk. It's not even I I hesitate to say that because it's not steampunk, but it is a uh, um it's a French detective. Um, Gerard Depardieu uh, plays the the detective. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And there's yeah, like yeah. there's a bad guy who has been able to he's he's manufactured this mirrored mask that he wears, and it ha- somehow has the ability to absorb people's souls. And uh, so there's a little bit of a supernatural element. There's a lot of kind of pseudoscience going on. And it's all taking place in, I think, 18th century France. Wow. It's, dude, That's it cool. is fucking badass. If you ever get a chance to see it, um, I, I think it's, there's two titles. Um, one is the, I think it's the Chronicles of Vidoc, or uh, the American title is Dark Portals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's, I got it. A, I, I'm with you now. It's a very cool movie. When you first started talking, it reminded me of another French film called Le Immortal. Yeah. Le Immortal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that sounds very cool. It's very cool. I'll bring it for you. Yeah. Check it out. Right on. What are you reading? Uh, So, I went to um, an antique store lately. Yeah, you did. And uh, I picked up a book for Tom. Fucking A, Don Pendleton, shout out. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about Philip Jose Farmer recently. And my favorite Philip Jose Farmer books have been the World of Tears series that started with Maker of Universes, and then it was Gates of Creation, A Private Cosmos, etc., etc. Love those books. And I had them in paperback form whenever I bought them as a kid for years. Well, 
through various moves and you know going through a ninja phase where I threw throwing stars at my books and stuff. Um, uh, they're no longer around. And I found Boom. this super cool uh, double day um, two volume set of nice. all the books. And uh, so rad. I've got the World of Tears Volume One and the World of Tears Volume Two with with completely original art by Boris instead of the ones that were on the cover of the paperbacks, mm -hmm. just for these editions. I, I so that's very cool. that's where I am reading wise. That's very 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 cool, re dude. It's such a cool series. Um, basically, the idea is that this guy is a uh, he's a god, um, and but he loses his memory and he winds up living on earth as a human um, for years he's like in his 60s mm. and he's in this house he's a, he, I want to say he's a real estate guy and he's showing the house to somebody and he's standing there and, and behind this closet he hears this like <laughs> here's this horn and he opens it up and there's this amazing world and there's this guy that's like finally and he throws this horn and it comes out of the closet and then the gate closes and, and he's standing there holding this horn like what the fuck has just happened but he that very same night he's like I have to go back yeah, like, yeah, I gotta yeah, go sure figure this shit out and uh, and he leaves his earthly existence and goes back through the gate and now he's back and he slowly through the first book starts to rediscover well first of all Age starts to drip away. Mm. He, he goes back to his of original form, mm -hmm. um, and he lands in the perfect place in this world where it's like uh, it's like paradise, but nobody's really smart. So it's just like mermaids <laughs> fucking on the beach, and sure, like, you know, all that, and he's just having a great time, you know, hanging out in uh, the Garden of Eden, eating fruit and having sex and just having a blast, and then starts to go up through the, the the world is it's it's a cake world okay so it's like there's different levels until you get to the top and by the time he gets to the top he realizes that he's Jodowin he's the god of this world and he's been absorbed and he, he he needs to get back to this shit it's an amazing series nice it sounds great yeah uh, I'm still reading Andrew Vox Strega and the thing about Andrew Vox is uh, I gotta say man for a lawyer he he defends children that have been abused. Yeah. For a lawyer, this guy takes gr some of the most delight I've ever read in what he does to the freaks and psychos oh. that are the bad guys in his books. Sure. It's it's almost uncomfortable. Oh. Where you're like you're enjoying this a, a lot. little too much. Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> the so other that book that I'm reading is by Ken Smith. It's called Raw Deal, and. Um, it is a. I call it stories to piss you off, and what it is, it's just a series of different stories about people who have been screwed over by the system, um, horrible miscarriages of justice. Here's just some example: um, Ebenezer Cade injected with plutonium 239 by army doctors while he lay helpless in his hospital's bed. Um, this is one I know really well. Uh, Oda Benga, the African pygmy who was displayed as an animal in the mm -hmm. Bronx Zoo. 
Karen Silkwood, we all know about. I get, so, I, so it's about people who got fucked over. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Frank Olson, the biochemist who killed himself after the CIA spiked his... You know, there was a movie that... that uh, Aaron Morris just did a thing recently yeah, 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 about yeah. that. So that's... This, this, that's very cool. This whole book is just like one story after another just to piss you off. <laughs> right on. Uh, let's see. Uh, before we move... Uh, well, since we did that, I'm going to go back to this and say talk about some music real quick. Yeah. And we'll go to you. Back to this. Bunch of stuff this week. Did a big dive into the band ARP. Found that they're either half shit, essentially, just poppy claptrap, right. or soundscapey stuff. The soundscapey stuff is great. Um, records more pulsars and quasars, inversions, and I bleed for me and mine. Um, Mark Isham, who did the score to things like Mrs. Sofal, did the soundtrack to the score to the TV series Cloak and Dagger. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Cool. <laughs> that's really good. Mark Mothersbaugh did this, did, released a two-disc set that's all the music for the Hotel Transylvania. Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo. From Devo. It's terrible. Who has become kind think, of like the T-Bone Burnett of yeah, movies. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But th this is terrible. It's all generic soundtrack music. Uh -huh. uh, a guy named Alex Zhang Hongtai. The record's called Divine Weight. Kind of noisy. Just doesn't make a lot of sense. Just it's noise bordering on soundscapes. Sure. Um, new Moby record. Everything was beautiful and nothing hurt. It's a Moby record. Sounds like Moby. Same thing about the new Goldfrap. It's called Silver Eye. Yeah. I like Goldfrap. So. Goldfrap's cool. It's it's got that seventies vibe to it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Moby, who I also like. My only complaint about Moby is that. As soon as you hear a tune, mm -hmm. I mean, like, if there's ever been a guy that sticks to a formula, yeah. it's Moby. It's yeah. like, this layer, and then... Yeah, there's a little bit of this. We're going to add this, and then we're going to add... And now we got the soulful singer just yeah. repeating the same line over yeah, and over yeah, again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then finally, let's see, Jeremy Sewell, S-O-U-L-E, soundtrack to something called The Northerner Diaries. It's really good. Cool. Um, if you go to all my Facebook page, there's all links to all this stuff. And then finally, Gar Carlos Rafael Rivera did the soundtrack to this movie, this Netflix series, Godless, about the town full of Western it, women in the West. Right. Um, and it's it's some good stuff. It's cool. It's orchestral, but it's got that sort of, it feels like a Western. It feels dusty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are you listening to? Um, I've been listening to, I've been going back and checking out Weather Report, which I haven't done in decades. Yeah. Uh, and and what, spawn, what, what, what sparked that was um, the show that I listened to on, on SiriusXM had this big debate recently about who the top five bass players mm -hmm. were. And um, that's one of them. Uh, and well, and and you know, Jocko uh, Pastorius is like, he's he's one of those guys, right? And it's like, and I'm like, yeah, man, those guys don't get, you know, my my number one guy because my favorite band of all time is Rush is mm -hmm. going to be Getty Lee, but but those guys that were like Jocko Pastorius and um, even like. You know, people go, oh, great bass players, and they'll say Flea, or they'll say Les Claypool, but they don't think about Charles Mingus, you know? And, sure. And, you well, know most I mean? people don't listen to Charles Mingus. Right, exactly. I think uh, Billy Sheehan is in there. Yeah, Billy Sheehan was... Player. There's a guy named Percy Jones that... He oh, he plays yeah. the fretless bass. Fuck, Bootsy Collins. Oh, fucking Bootsy. Anytime you've ever heard a bass part go, 
Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Percy Jones. Yeah. The guy, he played with Brand X, he played with Genesis, he yeah. played with Kate Bush. Yeah. There's so Fucking many good great people. So um, good. I was really surprised that, like, one of the, consistently across the board, one of the people that everybody name-checked was Paul McCartney. No. I, I wouldn't think of him as a great... I, I think he's a great performer. I just wouldn't think of him as an innovative bass, bass player. player, though. When yeah. there are people like Abraham Laboriel, Anthony Jackson... P, what's his name? P, Pino... Oh, shit. I can't remember now. Pino. Uh, yeah. God damn it. Anthony Jackson's this big guy that plays a ten-string bass... He's the shit. the fact that there is a ten-string bass. He's it's really like, good. That guy's um, really good. I we, wouldn't put. I wouldn't let Paul McCartney serve drinks. You know. You know. You know. If you're talking about the 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 bands and the people we know. Yeah. I think John Entwistle was really. He was underrated. solid. He was one of those rock solid yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like what's his name? Uh, the dude. It was a geezer butler from Fucking Black Sabbath. Fucking geezer butler, man. Yeah. You know what? Black You're Sabbath. just holding down four, but uh, that's I think, fine. I think Black Sabbath has the best rhythm section of all bands that I've ever heard. Because mm. yeah, like, they're so in sync, and they're so important to the sound yeah. of you know that that band. You know, and and mm. you know, there's so many. I for the record, yeah, I'm gonna say Tower of Power, but go ahead. Tower of Power is... Uh, yeah. Dave Garibaldi. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, so it made me go back and That's awesome. Yako, to I saw Yako perform at a thing at... It was called Jazz at the Opera House. Yeah. And fucking amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. nuts, you know, and it, and it's, you know, it, you know, as far as that goes, everybody, everybody name checks Prince as a fantastic guitar player. Yeah. He was a fantastic bass yeah, player. Yeah, he was. He just didn't, you know, it, it was overshadowed by everything else he was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when you get to people, and his name totally went out of my head. There's this German guy. He, he records on ECM. Fuck, Olgvar. Jonas Helborg. Okay. And he's fucking awesome, where he'll do, it's just a bass. Um, there's a whole record that he did that it's just a bass, overdubbed, and but he gets a real fat sound out of it. Well, it's you very know, cool. Uh, yeah, you know, there are guys like um, Ooh, Steve, my memory's not gone. Steve Severin, uh, yeah, you know, who who yeah, was yeah, the yeah, bass yeah. player for Susie and the Banshees, mm -hmm. began to do things like began running his bass through pedals mm -hmm. and different filters and stuff. So the bass was no longer just holding down that back line; it was. It could be a lead instrument. Mm -hmm. It could be a lot of different things uh, mm -hmm. going on with it. And I think that's one of the things that people kind of Dude. pay attention to is like if a bass player is able to <clears throat> treat the instrument as something more than just part of the rhythm, rhythm section. Yeah. I would say if you do, well, do a lot out of this podcast, but one of the things you should do is go to YouTube and find Weather Report, a song called A Remark You Made. It's off of Heavy Weather. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> It's fantastic. Jesus Christ. Uh, before we go, I wanted to mention, and we didn't really talk about it with Gatto. Gatto, is, so there's a thing um, every year called the um, uh, the Golden Trailer mm -hmm. Award. Yeah. It's, it's like the Oscars for trailers. Mm -hmm. Trailers are one of those things like, you know, IMDb doesn't list trailers. It's hard to track down people's work on trailers. You kind of have to depend on the people to, like, keep... Uh, on top of that stuff and, and, and give you a list and stuff. But Garo has had several trailers 
nominated for the Golden Trailer Award. Cool. And that's a big deal. That is a big um, deal. So I just wanted to mention that. Very he, cool. The guy, our guest today knows what he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> and then finally, here's, these are all recommended. Um, they're all comedy records. Philip, Philippe Esparza, translate this. Colin Melton, cleans up well. Zoltan Kazaz, cat jokes. Tyler Craig, live at the Atlanta Comedy Theater. Kenny Howell, why bring up, why are you bringing up old shit? Which is a great title. Yeah. Shane Smith, Prison for Wizards. Um, has the guy's a neck tattoo, and he meets a guy and asks him, the guy asks him, you know, like, where'd you do time? And he's like, oh, I did 10 years in Azkaban. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the the one thing I heard this week, Hal Sparks, who used to be on Ease the Soup. Right, yeah. He was on Queer as Folk. Yeah. Did a stand-up sp- special, and it's fucking horrible. It's not funny. Nah. It's just... He doesn't seem like a stand-up guy to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. That was good. Uh, next week, we got something special happening that we're going to need to get... I need to talk to you about, about getting creative with scheduling. Right, right. Please go to our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash bonus material podcast. Um, just take a look at what we're doing. We're we're trying to gear up for new equipment and upgrade the show. Please go to the. We both have Facebook pages. Find us there. Friend us. Yeah. That's how you get keep in track of what we're doing. I review everything that you heard me just talk about. I review on there and lastly this too. So there's that. Yep. Um, Lots of stuff going on. Yeah, and bleeding ham. Yep, it's all bleeding ham. It's it's the middle of the summer, and before you know it, October's going to be here. So it's all it's this is the this is the time when like you know when we, when you put those quarters in those things in the mall and it goes around and around and it gets <laughs> faster and faster and faster as it gets yeah. to the bottom. Yeah, I'm starting to feel the starting to feel the the uh, the rapid spiral. Right on. So uh, and it's what I'm excited because this is the first year I'm actually going to get to go. Yeah, on oh a dude. Friday night. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. Uh, uh we we may or may not have a feature this year too. So we'll we'll see. We're nice. we're we're uh, working on it. Yeah, we're working on it. I can't I don't want to say what it is yet, but it's pretty cool. Right on. Yeah. Uh me go to, please go to my Amazon page. Uh, buy Tom's books and, and buy buy some books. Um, and I got to get cracking. I I have done nothing. Well, you 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 re-entered the world of like grown-up jobs where sure you have to I be am. there on a regular basis. Sure I am. <laughs> I'm selling drugs to old people. All right. So uh, next week again, good stuff. Um, thanks again for listening. Please tell a friend. Uh, we want to increase our numbers. For the Bonus Material Podcast, I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary.